love the son that uh, the Lord gave to us via, via Jessica, and thank you for any of you that had a hand in shaping him, because you did a fine job, and we feel very blessed. But we're delighted to be here today with you, and I do give honor to your pastor and his sweet wife, their family. They are special friends of ours. Our, of course, we knew each other and had a connection from association with boards and stuff that we serve on, but uh, the union of our two children has... Uh, uh, certainly forged a, a connection that is that is more profound. I started to say something about that we are joint partners in a beautiful grandbaby uh, effort. Um, nothing, nothing. They're not expecting. Don't don't take that and go there. Don't don't take that and run with that. Uh, but I thought anything I say will get back to Jessica before I'm done preaching today. So we we just uh, have a little fun with that in in in, in house. But uh, but very delighted to be here, and my wife and I feel very blessed. Now, I know how this is supposed to work. Usually what you do is you read a text, and then you give a title maybe, and you pray, and you let everybody sit down, and then you start preaching. Uh, but I'm nothing if not unpredictable, so I'm going to hold my title, and I'm going to hold my text for just a little while, and I need to preach a little bit before I get to that, so I'm going to let you be seated. God bless you today. I think we should pause a moment today almost and just give thanks for a man named John Carrier. He is, he is the man who invented the air, the air conditioner. And uh, I do believe you have to be born again to go to heaven, but if anybody's going to get an exception, it's going to be John Carrier. Uh, but so I, I didn't, I mean, I, I think the park thing is really neat. And, uh, but when Pastor texted me and said, you know, due to the heat, and I, I will confess, I had checked the forecast. And when he told me, he said, I think we're going to move it indoors. I did not fight him on that effort. So praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, thankful for the team from Urshan College that did the music today. Wasn't that great? Amen. Amen. There are numerous times today that I have to stop and do that, so you just have to bear with me. I'll try to. It's not COVID. Relax. I've tested multiple times, and I'm, I'm fine. I'm just coughing up bits of lung tissue, so it's all right. There are some statements that we make in God's kingdom that make perfect sense to us. Intuitively, we understand them. We've lived it. We've experienced it. But these same statements are counterintuitive from a natural standpoint. Let someone who has never been a part of God's kingdom, they hear these statements, and I have to wonder what they think about us when we say them. For instance, we would say, that a child of God can be among the poorest of the poor, but if they're born again, we call them rich. Now, that didn't make any sense. You can't put that on a balance sheet. A, uh, uh, Excel spreadsheet doesn't work this out for you. Forbes is never going to do it, but you can visit the most remote village in a third world nation and there locate a man with naught but rags to cover his body living in a hut that would be condemned by every social organization here. But if that man has been baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost, we look at that man and say, that is a rich man. And we're right. You can't make it make sense. You can't explain it to someone who's never tasted of these riches. But I will say this. If you've been born again of water and spirit, you understand what I'm talking about. There's riches in this that cannot be measured in dollar signs. Yeah, we, we, 
Here's another one. We'll say, we have joy in times of sorrow. Now, see, you knew what that meant. You agreed with me. But to someone who's never tasted this way, try to make that make sense. How can you be joyous when you're grieving? It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. How can one endure the heartbreak that life inevitably brings his way and with tears streaming down cheeks that have known far too many such rivers walk into church on a Sunday and start singing it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Don't ask me to explain it to you. I can't make it make sense. I just know I've walked away from the graveside of loved ones that I said goodbye to way too early and yet down inside of me there was this well of living water that gave joy in the middle of my darkest times anybody know what I'm talking about I tell you it's true it's it doesn't make sense but it's true it's true joy in times of sorrow we say it there's peace in the storm that doesn't make sense doesn't there's no way to catalog that How can you experience the crashing waves of despair and the wind-lashed raindrops of chaos and the thundering echoes of failure and the flashing lightning of confusion and then walk into your living room with nobody else around, lift your hands up and begin to sing peace, peace, wonderful peace. I can't make it make sense. I can't tell you how it works. In fact, I would ask you, don't ask me to preach about the how, but I could preach about the who. Because the same one who walked on the storms of Galilee lives in my boat. And in those moments of storm, there is peace that passes understanding. Can't make it make sense. But it's real. But, But perhaps there is no contrast that so juxtaposes two Conflicting opposites like some words from Paul. We have a little collective IQ test here today. We've got all the college students here. Let's see how bright they are. Um, don't, don't, don't panic. It's, 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 it's going to be all right. It's really, this is a pretty easy one. It's like a, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or like that one kid told me, a little kid told me one time, he said, you know, you don't have to be a rocket surgeon, okay, to figure out this exercise, all right? So just jump right in. It's really very simple. What's the opposite of big? You people are so bright. Who says the state of public education is in decline? Small, little. We understand that something can't be big and small at the same time. We understand that those are conflicting ideas. They're mutually exclusive. Let's try another one. What's the opposite of hot? You're so gifted. And hot and cold cannot coexist. If it's hot, it's not cold. If it's cold, it's not hot. They cannot exist simultaneously in the same setting. Let's just try one more. What's the opposite of tall? You guys are amazing. And if you're tall, you can't be short. And if you're short, you can't be tall. The two things cannot exist at the same time. Well, let's just try one more. What's the opposite of strong? And you can't be strong. And well, wait a minute. Probably before we go too far down that line, we better look at some words of Paul where Paul said, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then... 
don't get strong when I come out of the trial. I don't get strong when my situation is over. I don't get strong after the victory has already come. No, in the middle of my darkest hour, in the middle of my biggest trial, when I am weak, right then I am Now that doesn't make any sense. There's no way to make that make sense to someone who has never received the power of the Holy Ghost. How can one be weak and strong at the same time? That does not seem to be possible. They seem to be mutually exclusive terms. And I suppose it would be true when applied to a man who has never been born again. But somebody hear me. When I have Christ in me, when I have the Holy Ghost in me, when I have eternity in me, I I have a source of strength that never wavers. I have a source of strength that never has a day off. I have a source of strength that never has an off day. I have a source of strength that is not determined by what I'm going through. Try to make this make sense to you. But God is just as strong on your worst day as he is on your best day. God is just as able when you don't have any ideas as he is when you think you've got it all together. God is just as mighty when you don't have anything else going for you as he is when you think you've got it all under control. My strength is his strength. So my strength has nothing to do with how I feel. Well, I, I feel confused. You're still strong. I feel beat up. You're still strong. I feel weak. You're still strong. Your feeling does not determine who you are. I want to try to make this as simple as I can right now. There is a difference between your feeling and your identity. Who you are is not determined by how you feel. Are you a child of God? Then it doesn't matter how you feel. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Then it doesn't matter how you feel. Are you more than a champion? then it doesn't matter how you feel. You've got to stop living your life covered by how you feel and start walking through this Christian life with an identity that says, I am a blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled, born-again, devil-chasing child of God, and it doesn't matter how I feel. Still who I am. That's who I am. You're looking at a bad motor scooter up here. You're looking at somebody that hell is terrified of. Uh, people, I don't know what it is in our culture, people want to be scared by the devil. You know, they, they, I saw a poll a while back, I guess because Halloween is looming out in the future. They did this poll, what's the scariest movie? And I ain't watching this mess, I ain't never seen this, and don't plan to, thank you. They all said that The Exorcist, I saw stuff that's The Exorcist, scariest movie ever made. I don't know. I'm just like, all these people want to get scared, so they watch a movie about the devil. 
I got to thinking, I wonder what hell watches when it wants to get scared. I'll tell you what it watches. It watches a bunch of apostolic children. It watches a movie of a bunch of Holy Ghost people walking out of church saying, I know who I am. I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm a blood-washed child of God, and hell can't control me, and hell can't defeat me. You know what terrifies the devil? That somebody in this place would shake off how you feel and rise up in the strength of who you are and say, I am a devil-crushing machine because that's what God made me. care how I feel. That's who I am. I get up having a great day. That's who I am. I get up having a lousy day. That's still who I am. My feelings do not determine my identity. Let me take you to a, a moment in Israel's history. Try to illustrate this from a verse. I will get to my text sooner or later. If we were 100 degrees out, I'd already be there. <laughs> help, help, help me out. I'm all torn. Which way is north? Anybody know? Which stretch is north? That way? That doesn't help me at all. Okay, I know it's that way. I accept. I always trust the, well, I usually trust the first guy that answers. Because he either just really knows or he's confident in his foolishness. But I trust you. Okay, I trust you. That's right. Yeah, That one knows. I believe you. But, but it helps me a little easier if it could be this direction. So for today, this is going to be north. That's going to be south, okay? Just work with me. For years, there had been an ongoing war between the house of David and the house of Saul. When Saul died, the southern part of the kingdom anointed David to be king in the city of Hebron. But up in the north part of the kingdom, Abner, who was Saul's strong right arm, he anointed Saul's son Ishbosheth. <laughs> and you don't like your name. He anointed Ishbosheth to be king in the north. So you've got Ishbosheth ruling up here, and Abner is his general, and you've got David ruling down here, and Joab is his general. For many years, these two factions were at war one with another. David's general Joab actually met this general Abner one time to try to resolve it and bloodshed became the outcome of that meeting and in fact in that meeting this is important Abner this general killed Joab's brother and that comes back later in the story the war goes on for several years with one running battle after another Abner who has been very loyal to Ishbosheth and put him on the throne is at one point falsely accused by Ishbosheth of a moral impropriety and Abner is so furious, I've been loyal to you, put the crown on your head, I, I, I put you where you are, and now you're going to treat me like this, that Abner journeys down south, and he comes down to David, and he says, David, Ishbosheth has turned his back on me, he's falsely accused me, I will give this kingdom to you, I'll gather the army up here, I'll bring all the people, we'll kick Ishbosheth to the curb, and I'll bring them down here, and we'll anoint you to be king over all the land, David, you have 
David feels at that moment, his life has been one of chaos and battle, blood and struggle and fight. And he knows what God promised him. He knows there was that day that Samuel poured oil over his head in Jesse's house. And he knows he's destined to be the king. It looks like it's almost here. Finally, it's going to happen. Abner's going to bring the kingdom to me. I'm finally going to walk into my destiny. I'm finally going to enjoy peace and prosperity. I'm finally going to be the king that God has promised. And when Abner turns around to go back home, Joab learns about this conversation that's occurred, and he chases down after him, catches Abner, pulls him aside. Joab remembers this is guy that killed my brother and he pulls out his sword and stabs him under the fifth rib and slays Abner got to consider what that did to David. David thought his world was about to come together. David thought, finally, I'm going to see my destiny. Finally, it's going to be peace. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy the benefits of this position. And now his hopes have been dashed. Abner, who was his avenue, he thought, to God's destiny for him, has now been slain. And it's all over now. I'm facing an uncertain future. Now I'm discouraged and weary. Now I'm going to go back into this season of struggle and defeat. So it is that moments after the burial, David makes this statement in 2 Samuel 3 and 39. He makes this statement. I am this day weak, though anointed king. I cannot figure this out. Kings aren't supposed to feel this way. I'm a king. I know it is. I'm anointed king, but I'm weak. You can hear the confusion in David's voice. You can hear the pain and the hurt in this cry. I'm this day weak, though I'm anointed king. I I don't understand it. I'm not supposed to be this way. I'm a king. This isn't how kings are supposed to feel. I'm supposed to be regal and majestic and power. I don't get it. Why do I feel this way? I would have grabbed David by his royal ears, shaking his head a little bit and said, son, you're looking at it all wrong. And this is my message in a nutshell right here. You're sitting here trying to figure out why if you have this identity, you have this feeling. I want to tell you that even though you have this feeling, you still have this identity. I want to grab you and say, David, you may be weak, but you're still the king. David, you're sitting there saying, I can't figure out why I feel this way. I wish you'd rise up and say, I may feel this way, but that's still a crown on my head. That's still a throne I'm sitting on. That's still a scepter. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. you got to stop this. If I'm a child of God, why do I feel this way? If I'm born again, why do I feel this way? you got to shake yourself and say, I may feel this way, but I'm still a child of God. I'm... I may feel this way, but I'm still a victor. I may feel this way, but I'm still anointed. David said, I am this day weak, but I'm still anointed king. I want you to somebody to stare down hell and say, I am this day weak, but I'm still anointed. I am this day weary, but I'm still anointed. I am this... You need to rise up and confuse hell and say, I may be weak, but I'm still anointed. It's not your feelings that matter. It's your identity that matters. 
Your victory is not based on how you feel. Your victory is based on who you are. Just feel like God sent me to encourage somebody today to get this attitude David expressed, albeit in reverse. I may be weak, but I'm still anointed. You talk about a, a, a conversation that would defeat hell. Hell looks at you and says, oh, really think you're something, don't you? How you feeling? You look back at hell and go, I'm feeling lousy, but I'm something. Yeah, your problem is, hell, here's your problem. My worship will not be determined by how I feel. My worship will be determined by who I am. My faithfulness will not be determined by how I feel. My faithfulness will be determined by who I am. My service will not be determined by how I feel. My service will be determined by who I am. Oh, hallelujah. See, here's the problem, y'all. Y'all is a word we use where I'm from. It's a good word. Man, I heard an amen out there. That, that was awesome. That amen did not come from Boston. That's all I'm telling you right there. Here's the problem, folks. The devil invented identity theft. That, that, did, that didn't start when Al Gore invented the Internet. Now, you have to be my age to understand that reference. Identity theft become a huge problem in our technological world. According to the Federal Trade Commission, every year millions of Americans are victims totaling tens of billions of dollars. There are all kinds of government and private resources to try to help you with this stuff. You've probably all been victim to it at some level. Maybe it was just a compromised credit card or something. But my wife and I had a very interesting thing. We first got married, yay, these many years ago. We didn't know how broke we were. Remember those days? I'm, I'm convinced if I'd have really known how broke we were, I'd have been scared out of it because we, we're broke. <laughs> Jeremy came along, we got broker. We were so bad. And so we, she worked at a bank and I worked at church and I was a youth pastor and, and she, she would get off every other week. She'd go in early and get off early. That week she got off early so she got home before me. She called me over over. Cool. And she said, um, we have a letter from a collection agency. We, we, didn't, we didn't have enough money to even owe anybody anything. I mean, I couldn't even figure out how that could happen. And I said, what? So I don't know. So I said, well, I'll check out. Like, I don't so I got home. I took the number. And sure enough, we got this collection agency, Evansville, Indiana. And it was about 45 minutes from where I grew up. So I called the number on a phone with a cord. I dialed the number. This, yeah, and this lady answered on the other end. I said, oh, this is Scott Graham. I got this notice. I read this number off of it. She said, oh, yes, sir. She said, we have been contracted by the city of Carmi, Illinois. Now, that's about 16 miles from where I grew up. She said, we've been contracted by the city of Carmi, Illinois to collect past due utility bills. I said, ma'am, I don't own any, I can't afford to own any property. I don't own any property. I've never lived in Karma. I don't own any property in Karma. She said, well, the lady that's handling your case is actually out of the office for a week, so we have to call her back next week. I thought, I'm not going to wait a week. So I did on my phone with a cord. I dialed, and you all won't understand this, 
they will. I dialed 618-555-1212. That was information back in the day. It's how you got phone numbers before Google existed. Okay? So I dialed, I get the number for the city of Carmi for their you know, public office thing, and I, I called, and the lady answered, and I said, um, hello, this is Scott Graham. She said, so there you are. Here I are. She said, we're glad to hear from you. I said, I kind of perceived that. She said, I said, I have no idea what this is about. She said, well, you left town. You just ran off and left $1,600 in gas bills, watch this, on your movie theater. Scandal rocks the United Pentecostal Church. General Secretary owns a movie theater. I said, I said ma'am, I've got rare, very disturbing news for you. I said, not only do I not, have never owned a movie theater, I have never been in a movie theater in my life. She, we went round and round a little bit. And finally, it just kind of hit me. I, I, I don't know if the Lord helped me or just, I, I will give him credit because it was good. I said, have we met? She said, well, of course. I said, wonderful. I said, please describe me to me. By the grace of God, her answer she said, you're about 5'8", blonde-haired, 150 pounds. Said, Boom. I said, I'm going to send you a copy of my driver's license by a fax machine. And I said, that should clear up the matter. So I faxed it to them, and all, you know, they left me alone. Four years later, we're living in a different town. My phone rings. I walk across the room because it's on a cord. And I picked it up. I said, hello. This guy said, is this Scott Graham? I said, it is. He said, this is... So-and-so with such-and-such film distribution company wondered if you still owned your movie theater. I said, no, sir, got rid of that a few years back. He said, very good, we won't bother you anymore. All I'm telling you is that out there somewhere in some database, there's this Scott Graham from Grayville, Illinois, listed as owning a movie theater. This could ruin me in the United Pentecostal Church, but anyway... But I want you to understand today that identity theft has been around a lot longer than that. It got its start in heaven. Isaiah 14 and verse 12. How art thou fallen from the heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. The devil got his start trying to steal an identity that was not his. And he still does it, watch. Only now he does not steal your identity so he can use it. He tries to steal your identity so you won't. Because if you understood who you were, you'd stand up and face hell down and say, get your hands off my family. Get, get your hands off my kids. Get your hands off my marriage. You don't have any authority here. I'm a child of God. I know who I am and it doesn't matter how I feel I'm still a child of God and it doesn't matter what I'm going through I'm still a child of God and it doesn't matter how discouraged I get I'm still a child of God and it doesn't matter how bad things get for me I know who I am
do care. Starts, I don't care who you voted for, I probably do. But, uh, but immaterial of who you voted for. Doesn't matter if you think the guy in the White House is the greatest thing since, since sliced bread, or, or, or you don't, you're not sure he knows what sliced bread is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That man gets up this morning. I don't care if he's, if he's confused or not. If he gives an order, the army's going to obey. Because it doesn't matter how he feels. He is who he is. He's president of the United States. You can like that or not, it doesn't change the fact. You can sit around and criticize him, it doesn't change the fact. In fact, I don't know how to break this to you, your criticism doesn't affect him much. I promise you, President Biden did not get up this morning going, I wonder what those people at church all want to think. No president has. Not until he's interested in getting reelected again, then he cares. All I'm saying is he goes about about doing what he does without fear of what you think about it. And I wish children of God would rise up and say, I don't care if hell likes it. I don't care if he don't like it. I know who I am. Is this making sense? you got to stop and shake off what people say, how they react, what they think, and just say, I know who I am. I'm a blood-washed child of God. I have authority in the Holy Ghost. I can go forth from this place. I can lay hands on the sick, and they can recover. I can cast out devils. Devil, you got a problem on your hands. I know who I am. understand, don't you, that a blood war, spirit-filled child of God is the hottest ticket on the planet? You're the baddest thing walking the streets. The devil's scared to death that you'll understand who you are. Well, I'm just, I don't know, I've got this problem. I know, I know, David, you're weak, but you're still king. I know, child of God, you got some stuff going on in your life, but you're still the child of God. walking out in this community with a delegated authority of God on your life. You know, Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. It was my buddy Brian Kinsey that pointed out to me one day. Can you go back where they can see the first part of that again? My buddy Brian Kinsey pointed out to me one day. He said, You know, Scott, serpents strike with their head and scorpions strike with their tails. Sounds to me like heads or tails we still win. You just got to stop worrying about what hell thinks about it. He doesn't have any authority over you. You've been delivered out of his hand by the blood of Calvary. You got to rise up not with arrogance but with confidence that says, my feelings don't determine my identity. I'm a child of God. Yeah, yeah. So you need to get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, I may be weak, but I'm still anointed. The enemy may be launching plans against me, but I'm still anointed. I may be confused, but I'm still anointed. I may be scared, but I'm still anointed. I may be sick, but I'm still anointed. I may have questions, but I'm still anointed. I may be battling hell, but I'm still anointed. I may be wondering what's next, but I'm still anointed. My home may be disquieted, but I'm still anointed. My marriage may be under attack, but I'm still anointed. My bank account may be empty, but I'm still anointed. My health may be broken but I'm still anointed. My kids may have gone haywire, but I'm still anointed. People may be talking about me, but I'm still anointed. Hell may be laughing at me, but none of these things move me. I'm still anointed. 
the enemy is still under my feet. I've still got the name of Jesus to use. The devil is still a liar. And Jesus is still the captain of my salvation. I have limited patience, and I could stop that sentence right there. My wife would amen. But I have limited patience with people that try to make the devil bigger than he is. Now, now, is he deceptive? Yes. Is he good at his job? Yeah, he's been at it a long time. But where did we get this mistaken concept that he is like the number two power in the universe? You know, that there's God and then just beneath he's position one, position one A, we got the devil. In the book of Jude, Michael the archangel contends with Satan over the body of Moses and defeats him by himself. In the book of Revelation, one unnamed angel ties him in a knot that it takes him a thousand years to pick loose. How far you want me to go? Stop giving him more majesty than he deserves. Stop giving him more authority than he deserves. Stop making him out to be stronger and bigger than he is. He is a defeated foe. He has been defeated by the resurrection. You are not subject to him. You are an anointed vessel of God, and he is terrified of you. Come Halloween night in hell, they're going to have a movie night. They're going to play movies of you. Scares them to death. I had a, when I was pastoring, I, I, the position I'm in, I can't pastor anymore. I'm a recovering pastor. Uh, when I was pastoring, I had a, Minister from our community come into my office. Not an apostolic, good man, pastor in a church. Walked my office and we were visiting. He said, uh, he made this statement. He said, Scott, he said, I'm really anxious for the Lord to come. I said, me too, right after I baptized you in Jesus' name. We had that kind of relationship. I could get away with that. And he said, "But because if, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, I don't know what we're going to do. I said, well. I'm going to baptize you in Jesus' name. He, and this was his response. He said something, and this is almost a direct quote. Um, this is very close to a direct quote. He said, but, 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 the devil. I looked right back at him. I said, but, 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 Jesus. He said, oh, but Scott, he said, man, the problem is the longer the Lord waits, the devil is getting bigger every day. I said, huh? He said, oh, he is. He's getting stronger, more powerful every day. I said, are we talking about the same devil? He said, absolutely. I said, then that's a very unusual critter. Who can get stronger with a mortal wound in his head. Because at Calvary in the empty tomb, Jesus stomped on him so hard, he bruised his own heel. And bruised his head. And you're telling me that after 2,000 years without a day off and no medical attention, he's stronger now than he was then? 
And he said, I got Bible for it. I said, in my Bible? He said, absolutely. I said, dude, I've read that book through a few times. You're going to have to show me that verse. I ain't never seen that devil getting bigger verse. This is what he said. Here, here's our IQ test now, theological IQ test. He said, in Genesis, in the garden, what does the devil show himself as? Serpent, sure. That's snake. That's right. He said, but by the time Peter writes about him in the New Testament, what is he? Lion. He said, see. He said, and by the time John writes about him in Revelation, what is he? Dragon. See, he's getting bigger all the time. Snake, lion, dragon. He said, you go through the scripture, and he just keeps getting bigger. Now, there is a Greek word that applies to this doctrine. Hogwash. I looked at him, and I was waiting for the punchline, and there didn't seem to be one coming. I said, that would be sad if it wasn't so funny and funny if it wasn't so sad. I said, do you have a Bible with you? He said, no. I said, somehow that doesn't completely surprise me. I said, I want you to, I want you to reach on the shelf behind you and get my Bible down. I want you to read it for yourself. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. I told him, I said, I want you to know I ain't making this up. This is Psalm 91 and verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. Shalt thou trample... I don't care if he's a snake. I don't care if he's a lion. I don't care if he's a dragon. If you've got the blood of Calvary on you, he is under your feet. Stop living by your feelings and start living by your identity. Come on, somebody needs to confuse hell right now and say you're under my feet. I don't care how I felt when I got up this morning. You're under my I am victorious. I am victorious because of who I am. If he comes in like a lion, he's under my feet. If he comes in like a dragon, he's under my feet. If he comes in like an adder, he's under my feet. That is not based on how I feel. That is based on who I am. I'm going to do one more thing. You be seated just a minute. I'm almost done. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to notice what... David said, in that verse I read to you, he said, I am this day weak. He didn't say I'm always weak. He didn't say I'm going to be this way forever. Just what I'm going through right now. It's just temporary. My trial is just temporary. <laughs> My sorrow is short-lived. My persecutions are passing. My battles are brief. My miseries are momentary. It don't last long. Say, but man, I've been in this, I hear you, but I've been going through this for 20 years. You're going to live forever. This little brief season called life on earth may be a hard journey, but where I'm going, he wipes all the tears out of my eyes. Okay, so, <laughs> and I ain't living this way forever. This thing I'm going through, this ain't going to last. I'm going to get out of this. 
I don't live in the valley of the shadow of death. I just go through the valley of the shadow of death. It's just something I'm passing through. I'm going to come through this. I'm getting out of this. Now, I may get out of it tomorrow, and I may get out of it in 100 years, but I'm getting out of this thing. And when I come through the other side, I'm still going to be worshiping just like I was when I... I was a worshiper when it started. I was a worshiper in the middle of it. And I'm going to be a worshiper on the other side of it. I was an apostolic when it started. I was an apostolic going through it. And I'll be an apostolic on the other side of it. Because that's my identity. But, but watch. This stuff I'm going through, that don't last forever. But some things do last. Now we're not going to take time to go to these verses. I'm moving way too quickly. And if you don't act like this blesses you, I'm going to come out there and sweat on you. First Chronicles 16, 34, his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 111 and 3, his righteousness endureth forever. Psalm 111 and 10, his praise endureth forever. Psalm 117 and 2, the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Psalm 119, 160, his righteous judgments endure forever. Psalm 135, 13, thy name, O Lord, endures forever. First Peter 1, 25, the word of the Lord endures forever. You hear me? I am this day weak, but his praise endures. I'm this day weak, but his truth endures. I'm this day weak, but his righteousness endures. I'm this day weak, but his name endures. So devil, here's your problem. Today I've got tears. Today I've got pain. Today I've got questions. But tomorrow I'll have his name and his, and his word and his righteousness and his truth. That's still going to be here. So I will still be here because that's who I am. I wish everybody here would jump up and fill this house with the sound of victory. For I wish everybody here would jump up and fill this house. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not defeated, I'm just weak. It's not over, I'm just weak. But here's the good news. When I'm weak, still strong. And hell is just as defeated when I feel weak as it is when I don't feel weak. And the devil is just as defeated when I feel weak as when I don't feel weak. Because I never defeated him in my strength anyway. I never did live victoriously in my strength anyway. It was always in God's strength. So today, I've done my best to try to encourage you a little bit. For you to walk out of here and square your shoulders and say, hell, you got a double bad problem. I ain't living by how I feel. I'm living by who I am. 
And I know who I am. I'm the dude standing on top of your head. So today, I'm asking for somebody that's feeling this. You felt discouraged. You felt weak. Don't, don't, that's, don't, no one's nothing to apologize for. If you don't have to repent for feeling weak, we all feel weak. That's right. Go through seasons. But they don't last. They don't last. But his truth remains. And his mercy endures. His righteousness remains. So today we could just all get excited. I love being excited. We'll get excited again. But I don't want to miss somebody in this place that's going through a tough season. And miss you this moment just because we all get excited. People shot You begin to pray right now all over this house. Seated somewhere near you. Standing somewhere near you is someone that limped your way into this house because you're a little bruised and battered and tired and weary and life's been rough. You walked in here tonight, today, and this preacher told you it's not about how you feel. It's about who you are. So I'm going to ask. I know it's hard. to be easier just to let you sit there, but I'm going to ask you to be courageous today. Gather up your weakness. Walk down to this altar and say, God, you sent this word to me today. You sent this word to me today, and I've heard it. And I'm going to be victorious because of who I am. I'm going to be, that's it, sis. Don't be bashful. Come right on up front. Come on, don't be bashful. That's beautiful. We need some men with a little courage, too. All the ladies, they're willing to be vulnerable. We need some men to be willing to say, you know what? I've been going through it. I want you to walk down and throw your hands in the air, and I don't want you to weep over your weakness. I want you to celebrate your identity. I don't want you to grieve over how you feel. I want you to rejoice over who you are. Come on, throw your hands up, your head back, and begin to celebrate who you are. I know who you are. You're a child of God. Don't, don't mourn over your feeling. Rejoice over your identity.